0: Welcome to Omalort, Chicago history you never learned in school. I am joined by Vanessa from Real Relationships. How are you today? I am wonderful, ma'am. Good. Yeah. Uh, Valentine's
1: Day is just around the corner. Any big plans? Okay. Um, Not especially. Valentine's Day isn't really like um, a big uh, to-do uh, with us. Uh, last year, we... We found like a random restaurant and had uh, beers and quesadillas. So we'll probably we'll find something fun to do this year, but no big plans. How about yourself? Oh no, I don't. I'm I'm not a big holiday person.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I I don't know. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. It becomes particularly obvious around St. Patrick's Day when everyone else in Chicago is like woohooing, and I'm like, yes, uh, <laughs> uh, yes.
1: Yes. I like, you know, I prefer the fun summer holidays. Yes. I mean, well, also I work in tourism. Yes. So I
0: generally am working on the holidays. Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah, generally, you know, the big summer holidays I'm working. um, Yes. So, and for the last two years, Christmas With my parents was delayed uh, the first year because the trains weren't running. And
1: then,
0: yeah, it was a snow, it was, I hesitate to call it a snowstorm, but it was definitely very cold and the trains weren't running. Okay. And then this year, my sister had COVID. Oh, no. So I decided to wait till we could celebrate it as a, as a family, because I have a very small family. It's my sister and my parents and I, and my nieces. So. Yes. I'm not just I'm just not a big holiday person, but yep. Yeah, yeah. There was a pretty big massacre yes. on St. Valentine's Day. Okay.
1: Yes. Let's get into it. Yep, we're doing it. What do you know about it? Oh wow. Well, so um El Capone um was a bootlegger because of prohibition, our nation's One of our nation's greatest uh, failures or policy failures. Um, He made his money throughout the Midwest. Did he run the Chicago Mafia or was he just one of the most prominent, well-known people? He he ran what's known as the Chicago Outfit. I saw something
0: on the uh, web that I didn't get too into in my research that it wasn't technically the Mafia because he wasn't Sicilian okay okay again that was a rabbit hole I was not gonna there will probably be an Al Capone there will be an Al Capone episode where I will get into that rabbit hole but for the sake of this one I'm like we we can't go there
1: no no but yeah the St. Valentine's Day massacre what was it seven people died yes Okay. Yes, and uh, it was also the basis for one of my favorite movies, "Some Like It Hot," with Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, and Jack Lemmon.
0: Yes, that is, <laughs> that is also true. Yes,
1: um, which I have not seen, but it came up on my radar. I'm like, oh, I need to watch that. It's it's fantastic. They, of course, they can't name the character Al Capone. He's like Spuds Spats Malone or something. Yeah. <laughs> It's
0: amazing to me, even in the year of twenty twenty four, how many mm-hmm. people still use uh, allegedly. Yes, which I understand from a journalism point of view. Some of the stuff hasn't been proven, but it just in the podcaster world, you're like, oh, you're yeah. afraid of getting sued. That's what I hear. When I hear allegedly. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, exactly. Which, but uh, yeah, the uh, is this the one? No, it wouldn't. Oh no. Uh, The St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I was thinking it was 100 years ago. No, not quite. Okay. Ninety,
0: okay. ninety five. OK, OK. Ninety five years ago. OK. Um, so full disclosure, my great grandfather was a bootlegger and bookmaker for the mob in Chicago.
1: Wow, that is cool. Wow. Really, when you
0: get into it, people say it's cool. Yeah. I, I remember I have a recollection of asking my dad how my grandma made it up to Michigan. And right. I seem to recall the story was that they were hiding from the mob. Wow. Wow. But it's also not something that's talked about a lot because it's not like it's... When, when my mom, who was a nice Dutch... Calvinist girl met my dad. His mother's <laughs> yeah. going to be like, oh, yeah, my father. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do have two beer steins that are from
1: Prohibition era. Wow. Wow. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it. But I mean, the whole thing, you know, with Prohibition, with speakeasies was that I I thought that I heard like on the federal level, on the federal level, no one was ever really like prosecuted. It was just more, you know, speakeasy raids and more of kind of like a showy, you know, we're going to bust up these beer barrels and things like that. Yeah. And there were so many loopholes with um during Prohibition, you know, like Catholics could get wine like prescribed to them <laughs> by a doctor and yeah, I mean, we don't get a lot into prohibition
0: in this particular episode, but we will get into the fact that not a lot of people were getting arrested for anything. Yes. <laughs> That's just a general, like, we're also going to get into some conspiracy stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. wait!
0: So I relied heavily on a book called Get Capone, The Secret Plot That Captured America's Most Wanted Gangster which is Whoa. written by Jonathan Egg, in, released in 2010. And it relies on the DOJ archives. So the, the FOIA oh, stuff, baby. Yes, that's um, fantastic. Which is an interesting thing I find when I'm doing research is that the farther you get out from the event, yeah, the more information you have. Absolutely. This is not without criticism in its Amazon reviews. For its uh, information, but I'm just letting everyone know that. But first, let's just dragnet the facts. On February 14th, 1929, prohibition is in full swing. The economy is volatile and Chicago is run by the mob. In a garage owned by Capone rival, George Bugs Moran, which is located at 2122 North Clark Street, Seven well-dressed degenerates gather for reasons unknown. And it's in the morning. Okay. So I'm going to quote from The Gangs of Chicago, An Informal History of the Chicago Underworld by Herbert Asbury. And he's one of the early historians on this sort of stuff. Okay. Well, one of the victims of the young optometrist, Dr. Reinhardt H. Schwimmer, who was an old-time friend of Moran's and, like McSwingen, enjoyed, quote, playing around, unquote, with gangsters. The others were members of Moran's gang. Frank Gustenberg, his brother Pete, who served three years in federal prison for a mail truck robbery in 1921. James Clark, Moran's brother-in-law, whose real name was Cash Leak. John hmm. May, safe blower and mechanic. Adam Heyer, ex-convict and expert accountant and Alfred Weinshank, wow. an official of the Central Cleaners and Dryers Association, who only recently joined the gang.
1: Wow. Um, I okay. So what was what was the one guy? He he did the safe cracking. He was a safe cracker and expert accountant. Wow. Oh, no, that was the,
0: no. I'm sorry. That was the ex convict, the safe cracker. Uh, wow. Uh. Safe blower John May, Safe the, blower. The,
1: yeah. the mechanic.
0: Wow. Okay. Safe blowers come up a few times in this story. Okay. Uh, didn't know it was a, a profession, but you know. I mean, yeah, it would. You know, in in the underworld, of course. <laughs> Overall, none of these men are known for their nine to five lifestyle.
1: No, there's no way they could be <laughs> right.
0: And Asbury says they were waiting for a whiskey delivery from Detroit's Purple Gang. So that was the mafia in, De- or the, I'm sorry, the mob in Detroit. The garage was not known for gang activity.
1: Okay. Even though it was owned by a Capone associate. Not a Capone associate, a Capone rival. I'm, oh, that's right.
0: Okay. So Moran did the bootlegging and all the crime on the north side of Chicago and Capone okay. did the south side.
1: Got it. And what, I mean, what is the dividing line between north and south in Chicago? Is it the river? Is it, um, like, a, is it a street boundary? Technically, there is a
0: street. Okay. Technically, there is a street that divides north and south. I don't know okay. that that was in play then. I, okay. I don't know. I mean, the river... Is tech- It's commonly, but yeah, I don't know specifically in terms of mob coverage. Or, Got it. Yeah. Outside in front of the garage, a Cadillac pulled up. It's the same kind used by the Chicago Police Department at the time. Ah. And a group of men, two dressed like cops, entered the building. Now... Moran's crew thinks this is just a regular bust and, quote, gave up their weapons and lined up against the wall. But then the imposters pull out Tommy guns, Thompson submachine guns, and mowed down the Moran gang and one unlucky hanger on. Okay. wow. When the police arrive, they find Tommy Gusenberg barely alive, and he refused to talk. But he finally said prior to to his death that it was the cops. Wow. Okay. And this was a turning point in history. This is brutal. It's in every newspaper across America. People are fed up with the, the, the violence. They're also fed up with prohibition. Yes. And the police have to solve this murder. So first, they thought it was, well... The police, which Okay. speaks volumes, and I want you to keep that in mind going forward. Right. Okay. I'm going to quote from Ike's book. The investigators quickly dispensed with that theory, though, claiming Gussenberg must have been mistaken and that the men in uniform must have been imposters. They never explained their reasoning. Hmm. Then they went on to think that it was purple gang retaliation for a hijacked whiskey truck. Okay. And after that, the cops thought the mass- massacre could be connected to a quote, vicious aldermanic election in the 20th Ward where Capone supported one candidate and Moran another. End quote. It's okay. almost normal to think a city council election. Resulted in seven dead bodies. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then they consider Moran because he was seen in the vicinity but didn't enter the building. Uh, Okay. The thought was that he might have gotten sick of the Gusenberg brothers. Okay. And then just killed four other people.
1: Mm, Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: After five days, the police revert back to thinking it was their brothers in blue that did the killing. Okay. And so, I mean, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We've got some theories. Yes. They're yes. Alex Jonesing it. Okay. <laughs> yes. I'm just running with the narrative. Yes. <laughs> According to a story in the Chicago Evening Post, Moran's crew stole a truck of booze from a crooked cop, and he retaliated. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go with, again, an Alex Jones level of theory, but, you know.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: This is quoting from IG. 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 A week after the crime, cops found a stripped-down, burned-out Cadillac that may have been the one used in the St. Valentine's Day attack. Still, the investigation went nowhere. Well, Hmm. I can name 50 motives for this crime, complained David Stansberry, the lead investigator for the state's attorney's office. But no one stands out as being important enough to be called the probable cause of the murders. End quote. Hmm the only thing stansbury seemed fairly sure of was that al capone had not been involved i do want to say that last sentence is not backed up by any proof
1: uh, yeah i, I mean I I, 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 maybe it's just having you know 95 years of history on our side but it just seems like al capone is like the obvious suspect at this point he is the obvious suspect they just don't have enough they don't have enough okay.
0: and they didn't want it like there's a whole side thing that I didn't get into, like they could have gotten gotten him on contempt of court or perjury, but that would have just been embarrassing. Understood. Okay. But the crime, though, though, as we said, you know, Al Capone is the obvious suspect. He was actually in Miami being interviewed by a district attorney at the time. Interesting. Okay. Eventually they arrest three of Capone's guys. Machine okay. Gun Jack McGurn, John Scalisi and Joseph Gwinta. When reporters approached McGurn, he said, quote, it was coppers. Okay. And this is from okay. Ike. A decent answer, too, although not a perfectly satisfying one. For starters, <laughs> it didn't explain why the men had gathered in the garage that morning, why they were so well-dressed, or why Bugs Moran was not among them if the cops had indeed wanted to kill Moran's men why didn't they do it the usual way by arresting them shooting them and claiming subsequently the men had tried to escape
1: yes I mean, that and i was going to ask that like why um why were they why were they dressed as cops if the if the intention was to Kill all of the men in the garage i mean we 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 certainly didn't have surveillance the way that we do today, so uh, I mean I mean do you think it is just as simple as um if they were dressed as cops, they would have the men would have assumed that it was just a quote unquote normal raid and not suspected that they were about to be executed?
0: I think that's that simple. We'll get into it a little more later, okay, okay, uh, I just want to underscore. Arresting them, shooting them, and claiming subsequently the men had tried to escape—it's a tale as old as time. Yes, ex- exactly. That's, I, to me, that's a foolproof plan. Yeah, I mean, it's just—it's like I just want to underscore what's happening in 1929.
1: Yes, all the good old days. <laughs>
0: now, Ad points out, or I points out, two of seven of the men were bystanders. By mob terms, this job was sloppy. He calls it yeah. angry. Mm. And he points out that the men had thousands of dollars in their pockets and nothing was taken.
1: Wow. Okay. Huh. Yeah, See, I didn't realize they had money on them. I mean, it, it makes sense, but there's just that's a detail that I was not aware of. Right.
0: I wasn't either. I actually didn't know a lot about this until I researched it. It's much more fascinating than I thought. Well, not yeah. than I thought. Then it's just fascinating. M- McGurn had an alibi that he was in a hotel with his mistress, okay. and he later married her so she couldn't testify against him. Oh wow! And the cops call her the blonde alibi. I, it's sus that he married her. Yes, but. He did a lot of crimes. It might not have been this crime.
1: Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, the blonde alibi literally knew where all the bodies were. Right. Now, oh. Sc-
0: Scalisi and Guinta, along with another Sicilian, were killed on May 8, 1929, before they could be tried. Okay. Wow. It- and three theories exist for this murder. Okay. First, Moran did it in retaliation. That seems like the most obvious. Second, Capone did it to make peace with Moran. Hmm. Or third, Capone did it because he believed they were getting too powerful. Um,
1: I'm going to go with option three because I don't see, yeah, I don't see Al Capone making peace with anyone. Um, yeah, three seems like the most, yeah, I'll go with three. That's what the police believed.
0: Okay. But the case was never solved. Okay. Now, as I mentioned, the massacre makes headlines around the country. I'd like yes. to say this was a turning point, like Sandy Hook was a turning point. But in this case, people actually wanted results. I was going to say,
1: yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stuff actually happened because of this. Right. Yes. It, oh, a
0: month after the massacre, Herbert Hoover was elected president. Okay. Yes. And he instructs his AG, William D. Mitchell, to, quote, get Capone, end quote. Yes. So now it has the force and the strength of the Department of Justice and the mm-hmm. feds. Yeah. I don't know very much about Her- Herbert Hoover's pre- presidency um except for the song from Annie which doesn't depict him favorably.
1: No, and I mean I know that like once the depression um was in full effect um I do know that like um homeless encampments were nicknamed Hoovervilles. Yes. And uh, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Following
0: the massacre Poem was mustered to a mob convention
1: in Atlantic City. (laughs) And it's it's funny because in Some Like It Hot, toward the end, there actually is a quote-unquote mob convention. And um, it was in Miami, but I remember just, you know, making the comment, uh, because we covered Some Like It Hot on the Real Relationships podcast, but... I remember making the comment, you know, um, there's no way that a mob convention is real. (laughs) And and then, of course, during this convention, this huge cake was brought in. And then that is how the Capone character was gunned down. And I'm thinking, if you were in a mob convention, you were not letting a giant cake in the room. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know. A little digression.
0: I'm listening to a podcast about the uh, plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer. Oh yeah, okay. And they had, they had a militia convention.
1: I mean, again, I just, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It just sounds made up. But then, of course, it's not made up.
0: Well, and they were all afraid because in this world, everyone's afraid that everyone's a fed. Yes. So they make a big deal about how you've got to be cautious when you talk to people, and then
1: brainstorm ways to do crimes. Please <laughs> tell me yeah. they have like a whiteboard where they're just you know jotting notes down. And <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but there was a, there was in fact an undercover FBI agent there. And of course, I can't believe that they're, they're like half of the group wouldn't be undercover feds. They pretty much, I'm
0: sure, like I, I was listening to the audio. So it's, it's. Um, I'll put the name of the podcast in the show notes, okay. but it's, they've got the audio. And I'm like, if these ding-dongs want to try to take over the country, I'm cool with that because they are yes. not going to do it. Exactly. Yes. And, and in yes. fact, the narrators keep talking about, like the actual people who were in the in the militias.
1: And right. it's just like
0: they smoked a lot of pot.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, and we all know that pot is known to boost productivity. Yes. <laughs> so
0: they, they have and by the way, the mob convention that comes from the mob museum online. So I'm gonna wow. go with Yeah. So well, they yeah. Have, they have this convention in Atlantic city and they tell him he needs to lie low. Okay. Shortly thereafter, in May, 1929, he's arrested in Philadelphia on gun charges and spent 10 months in jail. Wow. Okay. Now my whole thought on this is had police scanner Twitter existed back then, They would be beside themselves. Yes. Yes. In December of 1929. Okay. Known bank robber Fred hiller Burke, got in a car accident in St. Joseph, Michigan, and ends up shooting a cop. Oh. Which is always a good idea. That's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah he flees i think he steals the car and he gets out of town but they do a search on his house where they find the following two machine guns seven revolvers 11 tear gas canisters and more ammunition than the oath keepers had
1: on j6 oh god okay okay it's 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 good to know that like our gun laws in this country have, have never had any reason to be reformed in any way, shape or form. Right. Right. Well, and this is one of the first
0: cases that involves ballistics. Oh, OK. It proves that the machine guns, the Tommy guns were okay. used in the massacre. oh, oh OK. OK. And it's worth inter- noticing that the research I found was wealthy Chicagoans brought in the pioneer in forensics. His name was Colonel Galvin Goddard. Galvin wow. Goddard. Wealthy Chicagoans. So that's yeah. the police. Okay. I mean, the police might have worked with them. And a side note about Tommy guns. Like, that's the typical gangster gun. And they were made to be used in World War I. But it okay. ended before they could make it to market. Oh, so they just decided to sell it to the general population? Sure. Why not? Why, yeah. Why not? Now, perfect idea. And FDR made them illegal for private citizens with the National Firearms Act in 1934. I don't know. Leading me to wonder what exactly Hoover did while well in office.
1: Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, he brought on the depression and then made it worse, I guess. Yeah. And
0: I mean, his whole thing with get Capone and we're sick of this gangland and we want to, yeah. it's, 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 we got to take our cities back.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, again, America is the the country that just never learns their lesson. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because it's the same rhetoric. It is the
0: same rhetoric and no action. At least, it's very similar to: we need a border bill. We need a. Oh no, not that border bill. Yes, yes, exactly. People yes. are getting gunned down in Chicago. We need to do. So, oh, not at that.
1: Now, so exactly. Ba- yeah,
0: back to Burke. He. Posed as a successful businessman, Richard F. Wright, and fled to Green City, Missouri, where he mm-hmm. married 20-year-old Bonnie Potter. He was 36, and okay. one of the most wanted men in America.
1: Wow, I wonder what they talked about. About I like what were never... those conversations? <laughs> the, the
0: couple resided. On her father's farm, because nothing says booming businessmen like residing on your child bride's family's property. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: (laughs) Now, if you're America's most wanted and you want to blend in, I don't want to give anybody any advice, but don't marry someone 16 years younger than you. No. Because a local by the name of Joe Hunksacker became convinced that he saw Burke's picture in True Detective magazine. Oh. And initially the local police ignore him. But on the morning of March 27th, 1931, they raid Burke's home.
1: Okay. And he's got weapons on him. Of course. I I would be more surprised if he didn't have weapons on him. Right. He's extradited to Berrien
0: County, Michigan, where he was sentenced to life in prison. And he died of a heart attack in 1940. Wow. They never pressed him on the massacre. Huh. I want to point out, granted, he wasn't in possession of the weapons at the time because he had fled the state. Okay. But they found the guns. On his property. Maybe the thought was he was serving life in prison already for murder, but I feel like this is
1: a loophole you would have wanted to close. Yes. Yes. Especially with all of that rhetoric of take back our cities and get Capone and, you know, uh, yeah. 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 This is what Ike says.
0: On its face, it defies logic. How could a man in possession of weapons used in the massacre, a notorious gangster with ties to Capone, not be deemed a serious suspect? How could the Chicago police or the Department of Justice possibly explain the failure to consider charging him? One answer makes sense. If the feds couldn't pin it on Capone, they preferred to at least permit the cloud of guilt to hang over him.
1: Okay, So so essentially, okay, if we can't do anything, I mean, it's a cloud of guilt. I don't don't think Capone was necessarily capable of hearing about a quote-unquote cloud of guilt. No. If it kept him out of prison, which, spoiler alert, it didn't, but not for violent crimes, for tax evasion. Right.
0: Well... In January 1935, Byron Bolton, another bank robber, in hopes of reducing his jail time, tells the feds he knows who did the massacre.
1: Okay, so a jailhouse snitch. A jailhouse snitch. And he
0: said the job was ordered by Capone, and he was the lookout man, while Burke and four other guys committed the crime. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, because, like, Capone's alibi was that he was in Miami at the time, but that doesn't mean that he didn't order the hits. Right. But this is a quote from
0: Ike. Bolton's story makes huge headlines across the country, even though it doesn't entirely add up. At least one of the men he identified as a killer had an alibi. Then there is a question of why Capone would hire so many men for a job that required only one assassin. Capone knew where the rival gangster lived. He could have put Jack McGurn or another hired gun in a car across the street and had him wait until he got a clean shot. Sending in a hit squad was completely out of character for Capone and highly unlikely given that the feds were following his every move at the time. But even if Capone had ordered the hit, and even if the job had gone horribly wrong, another question remained: Why hadn't he ordered his men to retry again? Why was Moran still alive?
1: Yeah. Um.
0: And then yeah, he. Yeah. And then he adds, also, why, if true, di- um, he have added this. They didn't charge Capone then.
1: Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, people slow. can talk about
1: Merrick Garland being slow, but man. Exactly. I mean, so 35, so this is like six years later. Yes. And only on the advice of a jailhouse snitch. Right. Huh. Now, these headlines, This is, so this is in
0: January, early January. Okay. And the headlines catch the attention of a Chicagoan named Frank T. Farrell who on January 28th, 1935, writes a letter to J. Edgar Hoover. Okay. Now we're going to get into the FBI archives. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) He identified himself as doing, quote, undercover investigation, end quote. Okay. Now, he nor the archives offer any further explanation on this claim. Okay. And he said the feds should check the police logs from November 1928 because a dude named William Davern Jr., who was a 40-year-old former firefighter and son of a Chicago police sergeant, was shot in a bar fight. Whoa. Bill Jr., William Jr., was hanging out at the C&O restaurant, which is a known gangster hub. Okay. When is that he, still
1: around or is it? No. Okay.
0: Uh, I didn't even look at the address where it was. Um, okay. Any Chicago listeners, but around 500 North Clark. Okay. When he was shot in the stomach. Now, his friends drive him to the corner of what is now Rush and Hubbard. and. Okay which is um, about where Trump's Oh, no, 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 no. I was just doing it. <laughs> okay. They drop him off there on the corner. He crawled to a fire station call box. So back in the day, they had these boxes. Okay. That they would call for for fire when there were fires. Yes. I'd be curious to know the per capita of those in Chicago. Yep. And, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: and yes. he he goes to the hospital. Okay. He survived for a month, but oh. would not tell the police sh- who shot him. Okay. He did, however, tell his cousin, William White. Okay. And he tells the- him it was Moran's crew, including the Gussenberg brothers. Oh. So this is how I describes the cousin. Okay. William, three-fingered Jack White, was beady-eyed, bald, and double-chinned. He was even (laughs) tougher than he was ugly. A boyhood accident or botched safe-cracking job, accounts varied, had taken two of the fingers on his right hand. For the better part of a decade, he had maintained status as one of Chicago's most vicious criminals with a rap sheet as long and savage as the processing line at the Armour meatpacking plant. Wow. The theory that Ike has is that he wanted to avenge his cousin's death. So he called the Goosenberg brothers saying that he wanted to hold up a factory and he needed men. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I just, I'm, I'm listening. (laughs) Okay. So yeah. This goes back now to 1926. He and the Goosenberg brothers and a crew of eight allegedly held up an international harvester factory. Okay. Then one of the crew ratted them out.
1: Yes. So I, why? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, because, and, and, I mean, that's interesting because even when you, know, you, you were talking about how you know Capone if he did order the hit would have only had one guy uh, or one hitman uh, because i mean obviously the more people that you have involved the greater the chance that you know someone's going to snitch someone you know it's like what what's that um saying that um two people can keep a secret if one of them is dead yes something yes and, and, and i mean so it comes back to this as well you have these Rival games that you know years before were committing the same crimes together, and then you have um, those broken loyalties or whatever. Right. Well, and,
0: I mean, so yeah, and someone's going to It's one of the things we talked about all, um when we were talking about uh, Alderman Ed Burke. Yes. Like, I think normal people would snitch for their own salvation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like people seem to think this is unthinkable. I, I, don't think it, like, I don't think it's unthinkable. But White yeah. sends two guys dressed as cops to kill the
1: snitch or to kill okay. the rat. Okay. So, I mean, again, with the dressing as cops. Right. And here's what I asserts
0: about that. White knew that when people saw police uniforms, they tended to be more trusting. And they tended yes. to not notice the distinguishing features of the men in uniforms. All they saw were hats and badges, and Mm -hmm. getting uniforms was easy. White knew plenty of crooked cops. In this case, he might have enlisted the help of his uncle, Sergeant William J. Davern, of the Chicago Police Department, the father of the man killed at the C&O restaurant.
1: Wow. And it seems like it it would be easy those day, in those days even to just get a police uniform from the, like, uniform store. Right. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't even know what the process is today, but it has to be probably a little more strict than it was back in the day. But, but I do think it's correct. If you see a police, you're not going to
0: look at the rest of the distinguishing features. Correct. And- And he goes on to say, Farrell's letter resolves many of the mysteries surrounding the massacre. It helps explain why so many of Moran's men were in the garage that morning, why they were dressed well, and why they never fired their guns when faced by their murderers. It also offers a clear motive, one with enough emotional power to the fury of the attack. It may even account for why the investigation of the crime went nowhere. Perhaps word had spread through the police department, garage killing, that the garage killing had been carried out in retaliation for the murder of a cop's kid. Sergeant Davern might've provided the uniforms and the police car. That could oh. have been enough to quell further investigation and persuade the detectives to accept this rough
1: justice. Wow. Huh. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it does seem obvious that there would be um, police corruption. And, I mean, of course, they're not going to, you know, we see this even today, they're not going to turn on their own. So if there's a way that we can cover it up, then, yeah, let's do it.
0: Well, I mean, and one of the things about this too is, I mean, the, the police were corrupt. And they were under the money, yes. uh, and not to take it away from Capone, but they were also—he was getting people, getting people elected. I mean, you know, the corruption yes. is so, so rampant. It's hard yes. to untangle. Absolutely,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's like it, everyone's on the take in some way, shape, or form. And especially, you know, now we're talking, you know, Depression era. So people are going to do whatever it is they have to do to survive another day. Right. Uh-huh. An eyewitness on the day of the massacre said
0: this. Just about the time I arrived in front of the place, an automobile I thought was a police squad car stopped in front of the garage. There were five men in it. The fellow who stayed at the wheel had a finger missing. His hand was spread out on the steering apparatus, so the old okay.
1: amputation was apparent. Okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. But he said that he only saw one missing finger, and the guy had it was uh, two fingers that he yeah. had. Done. I mean, well, why was it? It was two was fingers it because the okay, but it could just I guess be if they're spread out or yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. It, in
0: the early 1930s, White became an informant for the FBI. So, if J. Edgar Hoover knew about his involvement, it's possible he covered it up to protect his asset. Of course. Which, of course. given everything we know about J. Edgar Hoover, anything yes. is
1: fucking possible, you know? Absolutely. He does. Yes. Yes.
0: Uh, a, I just want to put out, there are no good actors in this story.
1: No. There's no, no. one that
0: has a trustworthy narrative.
1: No, no, absolutely not. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, with the massacre, weren't the men ordered to face the wall like they were executed, like in the, w- they were shot in the back?
0: Yes. So what okay. I'm
1: imagining
0: is, you know, put your hands against the wall. Yes, yeah. Which goes with the cop narrative. Yes. Because if I didn't think it was a cop, I'm not going to just turn my back. Exactly, yes, yes. Just, just as, Especially if I'm a gangster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in 1934, his associates, okay. White's associates, figure out that he is a rat, and they execute him in his home. Oh. Wow. Which also never solved.
1: Yeah. Huh. I mean, it's like it, it is that narrative, though, that I mean, again, the only way that um, conspiracy can be um, kept a secret is that if all of the witnesses are dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, um, I mean, how many um, gangster movies have we seen that in, you know? Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Records show White being in jail at the time oh. of the massacre. Okay. Now, I asserts when he was asked about this that he bribed his
1: way out for the day, which is possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, yeah, I I mean, I. I've never been in jail, but I know that you can get, like, a day pass for, you know, a funeral or for, you know, something. And I'm sure it was even easier back then, you know. Um, Oh, um, my grandma's really sick, so I got to go see her. (laughs) Especially when your uncle's a cop. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Mob historian John Binder had this to say about this theory. I don't want to appear like I'm attacking Ike. But at the end of the day here, the underlying details are not true. And hmm. then it also doesn't explain any of the known evidence. So as an idea, it pretty well strikes out. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. We'll discuss that in a minute, but I want to finish this out with a quote from EIG. Okay. A year later, when Hoover reached, this is a year after Uh, White's murder Okay A a year later when Hoover received the letter from Frank T. Farrell suggesting that White had been responsible for the nation's greatest unsolved crime the director replied that the gangland killing was a matter for local police and of no interest to the Bureau In other words, as far as he was concerned the case was closed Farrell Hmm. was never heard from again Recent attempts to locate his family were unsuccessful
1: hell but i mean that was that was again back in the day when you could literally just move even a few towns over and just change your name <laughs> right but
0: i find yeah. interesting i feel gaslit by j edgar hoover which probably happens more times and present too Is yes.
1: now it was a local police matter yeah 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 when i mean it it yeah it should have been a federal case it looked li- They literally should have made a federal case out of it. Right. Which just makes me, everything I
0: know about J. Edgar Hoover, just makes me suspect it. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Like, I understand that John, the the mob expert, Uh Binder has spent his entire life with this narrative. Yes. But... I don't trust Jagger Hoover. Oh, I don't North trust Chicago too.
1: cops. No, like
0: there's no. Yeah. yeah,
1: Now, I mean, it seems like in a weird way, the the most "quote unquote" trustworthy people in this story um, are Capone and his associates themselves, because at least they God. are not. I mean, they're corrupt, but at least they're not hiding who they are.
0: Right, and one of the things yeah. that. Ike points out, or I read somewhere, is Capone did interviews when he was still in jail, and he talked about things he regretted, like being open to the press. Because he did, I mean, they weren't hiding. This was all in plain. I mean, they had yes. conventions.
1: I guess not, not for conventions.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. But he never ever talked about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Okay, which is the one thing. That was really ultimately his undoing for tax evasion. Yes. Yeah. Now, I know this has been a wild ride. Way more wild than I think you or I, when we started this, thought it was going to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So initially, seven people got killed. Yes. Chicago, as well as the entire nation, were outraged. Yes. The police have many theories. They arrest people. Some of those people get unalived. Another Mm -hmm. mystery, never solved. Later, a Capone associate and bank robber kills a cop, goes on the lam, gets a child bride, and then eventually gets busted and goes to jail. Then another mobster searching for a lesser sentence claims Capone called the job, but is never charged. Then a quote-unquote undercover investigator wrote a letter to the FBI Outlining a whole different theory of the crime.
1: So, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, do what? What are your thoughts on who called the hit? Who, you know, what it, what what uh, spurred it? I mean, you know, where do you land on this?
0: No, So, this I want to just say this wouldn't be the first time in Omalort history where we've covered a case that the FBI's attachment to a narrative. Caused Mm -hmm. zero outcome. Yes. The Tylenol murders. Yes. (laughs) But Occam's razor would say it was Capone. Yes. Yes. Yet, knowing what we know about the FBI, then nothing Mm. would shock me.
1: No. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I, for the longest time, I, I thought it was like a pretty cut and dry case that Capone ordered this hit. And of course, you know, like you said, it it opened him up to further scrutiny. He was charged with tax evasion, but he was never charged with a violent crime. Um, that's not what he went to Alcatraz for. Um, but I can I mean, yeah, I can definitely see that um. You know there were different cops in on the take, and uh, Capone is an easy scapegoat in that at that time. And oh yeah, th- th- this was a much more wild ride than <laughs> I well, anticipated. Do you do you listen to
0: the last podcast on the left? Yes. Did you listen to their JFK series? No. Oh, it's a good one. And they okay. explore all the angles. And one of the theories they have is that it was actually an accidental bullet by the Secret Service.
1: I have heard that theory. I have heard that. And th- yeah, because I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, but I do. And in- I will entertain a good JFK conspiracy. Well, you can't not. This is like sort yeah. of This is, that's what this reminds me of. Yes,
0: you can't not look at all the conspiracies and be like, "Hmm, Some, that yeah, that makes sense." Yes, like, and one of the things they do in on the JFK is they look at all the different like all the different people who would have a reason for wanting him dead. Yes. yes, and the secrets like, I mean, I just had my own conspiracy in my own little brain was the FBI had. The massacre happened so they could get Capone. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying I believe that, but they did.
1: I mean, they they
0: did kill Fred Hampton.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. I could definitely see how, you know, again, maybe they didn't know how much outrage it would cause, but certainly it would draw attention and then it's that excuse that you know oh we need to um uh militarize the police force we need to do this we need to do that and it's you know another um argument for you know fortifying yeah. the our forces so i or also
0: it could be a hybrid of the two that the yeah, did it because none of these i mean none of these people are good players and they so, overlapped no. with each other Yes. So, I don't know. I'm willing to not know. I just thought it was a wilder ride. But this brings it's... us to our current day. Okay. In December of 2023, the former president of the United States of America had this to say. Do you know where we're going with this? No. Oh. Hey, I'm not going to do a an, an imitation because I I can't do it. Yeah. Okay. Did anybody ever hear of the great Alphonse Capone, Al Capone, great head of the Mafia, right? Mean Scarface. He had a scar that went from here to here and he didn't mind at all, but he was a rough guy. It gets worse. Oh, I would have to. If he had dinner with you and he didn't like the way you smiled at him at dinner, he would kill you. You'd be dead. By the time you walked out of the nice restaurant, you would be dead. He got indicted once. I got indicted four
1: times. Okay. Okay. Which is a weird flex. It's a, okay. Very weird. But all I can think of is, okay, what, how would Al Capone have reacted to that weird ass dinner that he had for the, like, those athletes with all of the McDonald's? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. You know, and, and with so many of his ramblings, all I can think of is that great quote from Steve Martin in Planes, Trains and Automobiles, where he says, if you're going to tell the story, here's an idea of a point. It makes it so much more enjoyable for the listener. Well, yeah. So here, a couple of things.
0: It's really hard to read a Trump quote. Yes. Not being Trump. Yes. Yeah. Because there's no cadence or flow or logic to what he's saying. No, no. Um, he's praising Al Capone, which is yes. also just really weird, but like most things coming out of politicians mouth,
1: it's also untrue. Capone was indicted at least six times. Something. Yes. I was going to say, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, he went to jail and died from syphilis. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he was in Alcatraz. That's why that's like his like his cell in Alcatraz um, was decorated. And it was one of the reasons that like Alcatraz became known for the person that it was because it was like the only one that could hold Al Capone. Yes. And. Yeah. And, and uh, this this is at a campaign rally. I, I mean, it would have to be. It would it would have to be. Yeah. I, I mean, again, what 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 is the point of any of what he is saying? That he got indicted more times than Al Capone. Sure. Okay, okay, okay. So how how many times has he gotten syphilis? I know more than Al Capone. I mean, there's there's a lot to work with there. If we're if we're gonna apples to oranges, <laughs> come on. Also, there is this, you know
0: this thought that al capone was a good guy
1: i mean i could see how um trump would think that yeah i mean yeah that he's a good guy well even
0: because he did have like he fed kids breakfast or
1: something well yeah all of the good criminals do you know some sort of community outreach right because that's I mean, that's that's mafia like 101. You have to have your own people and community like you or have some sort of like debt to pay back to you. It's um, why we all watched The Sopranos. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> any thoughts on this? It's been a wild ride. I mean, yeah, much more of a wild ride than I thought. Um, And I mean, yeah, so Al Capone um, died in 1947 and he was only 48 years old. Yeah. I know he
0: started really young. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: And I mean, you know, and I think one of the reasons that, you know, we're still talking about the St. Valentine's Day massacre all these years later is because. I mean, it's like prohibition is basically responsible for why the U.S. has, you know, a mafia. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that it wouldn't have happened anyway, but certainly prohibition paved the way for um, organized crime to really thrive. And Al Capone was kind of the face of that. And I think you know, in our culture, in our, in movies, I mean, we really like romanticize the mob and it, you know, I mean, starting with, you know, the Godfather all the way up to the Sopranos and kind of all of, um, Martin Scorsese's work, um, as a country, we just have this fascination with organized crime. Which I find, first of all, it gives me an ick
0: when I think about it. And second Mm -hmm. of all, how are we romantic? Like, look, if you look at the conversations that you have around San Francisco, Chicago, New York, yes. any of yes. the blue states or blue yes. cities. Yes. How can you be outraged? I mean, the the, the the defense commonly used is that the mob only took care, only hit each other.
1: Yes. But. but yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, that that's a common defense, but it, it's not. True. I think that, I mean, a lot of innocent bystanders have died as a result of mob violence. That, and we did an,
0: I did an episode that predates Capone, but did have mob mob involvement with the brothels.
1: Yes. Yeah. And where do you think Capone got the syphilis? I mean, yeah, you don't (laughs) yeah, exactly. I mean. And, you know, and the, the mob had their hands in um, pretty much any sort of, like, vice. Prostitution, gambling, alcohol, narcotics.
0: N- not even that. I didn't get into a whole
1: subplot
0: about mm-hmm. wanting to corrupt the dry cleaning industry. Well. That was one of the theories, was that it was a a dry okay. cleaning industry thing. Because we had that guy who was the counsel of the cleaners and dryers. Oh, that's yes. Okay,
1: I forgot about him. Yes, is that okay? So it was dry cleaning involved because that's a fairly easy way to launder money. I'm assuming so, and other things. Okay, okay. yeah.
0: And I know that there um, was corruption in the dry cleaning industry, but okay. I just didn't get into that side plot because,
1: yeah, I try to tell the story with a brevi- brevity. It's, it's kind of like whenever I see a lot of um, mattress stores, I feel like a, a given like 25% of all mattress stores are money laundering funds. Okay. I have two stories about that. Okay. Yes. With, with
0: the proliferation of mattress stores. Yeah. I made a joke on social media. Okay. And somebody answered that they're just a really low overhead business. Okay. Because you pay for one very lonely person who works there. Yes. And your sample's on the floor. Okay. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I do remember at one point in time, my dad, my dad was a risk management consultant and he would do spot checks for businesses. Oh, okay. And he had to go to a mattress store. I'm, the details are fuzzy. I went along with him. It was, um, That got money from Medicare. Okay. Right there. And you had to do a spot check. Like, you don't let them know you're coming in. Yes. And they weren't open. But they were only open on, like, Thursday and Tuesday. Now, I'm making up. But, like, the most absurd times. And Yeah. Yeah. And my dad's like, why wouldn't they be open more? And I'm like, because they're a front. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that though. Like going to this mattress store in Northern Michigan that just wasn't open. Now, yeah. but back to you know, even when you complain about so the people who because I want to say that there's a Venn diagram of where the people who romanticize Capone and the mob also mm-hmm. complain about blue cities. Yes. You know who's basically taken over? I mean, for the mob. Who? The politicians. And of course, of course. Yes. I mean, it they wasn't weren't, they weren't even taken over. It's like how Capone was in the pocket of Hinky Dink and Bathhouse John, who are yeah. of the most corrupt politicians in the history of Illinois. He got yeah. Big Bill Thompson, who's considered to be the, the most corrupt politician in the history of Illinois, and one of the mm-hmm. worst mayors of all time in the United States of America. He got him elected. So, wow. And he was a Republican, by the way, the last Republican oh. mayor we had. So you can't romanticize one and complain about the other. No. And I'm not romanticizing either of them. No. But, yeah, it kind of really gives me an ick when people talk about the mob in a, a glorifying way. Yeah. And absolutely. I say that as, you know, my great-grandfather.
1: Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, you know, and I always joke, you know, cause, um uh, cuz every year around um the holidays that joke is always brought up like what did uh, Mr. McAllister do to afford that house in Home Alone and a vacation to Paris and all of this stuff and you know, my joke is well, he's an accountant for the mob. That's how you afford a house like that.
0: Yeah. That joke cracks me up because someone actually does afford that house. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That house does exist. Yes. <laughs> and, that, and it's not at all shocking to me that the person that can afford that house can also afford a vacation to Paris. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I don't live in that house, nor can I afford a vacation to Paris. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was kind of my thought. And, you know, and I think it's why I brought it full circle is then you have the Republican party. I'm just going to call him the nominee. Okay, sure. It's going to go that way. Praising the guy, yeah. Capone. I mean, and it's unusual for people to praise Capone. Like, I've heard people clap for Capone. You realize that he killed a lot of people.
1: Yes. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but this is, it, it's the same guy who praised um, Kim Jong-un. Or and Putin, and Putin, you know, I, it's and so, Xi yeah, ping. I mean, yes. So I mean, it really. I mean, I don't know. Like the the fact. So I didn't know about that quote at one of his rallies or whatever, but it doesn't surprise me in the least. No, it didn't surprise
0: me at all. I was just like, yeah. oh, we're going there. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I mean, yeah, like you said, weird flex to brag that you've been indicted more than more times than Al Capone, but really you have it. I don't, I just, I don't know. I, I yeah. Yeah. All right. Where can people find you? Well, um. so the real relationships podcast is on Apple and Spotify and uh, new episodes of our show drop every Thursday. And in fact, the next episode that we are recording is Nineteen ninety-four summer blockbuster, Speed. Ooh, yeah. All right, saw that yes. one in the theater. Oh yeah, it's you know it's 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 a bonkers movie, but it's it's a fun movie. I'm looking forward to that one.
0: How- okay. well, go ahead. thank you for joining me and listeners. Thank you for having me. You're welcome, listeners. I appreciate you. So please hit the subscribe button quicker than a Tommy gun fires bullets. Leave a five-star review. Like you're an alderman benefiting from Capone and tell your friends about Oma Lort with the fervor of a rat looking for a lesser sentence.
1: That's fantastic. (laughs) Thank you.